Sława. Welcome to the second episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul, a podcast by Vitya. Searching for the Slavic Soul is a podcast based on Vitya's blog, where we are trying to separate the Slavic wheat from mostly Judeo-Christian chaff and find the truly Slavic elements in the Slavic traditions known and followed by the modern Slavs. You can find Vitya's blog and learn more about the Vitya project on our website witia.squarespace.com. That's witia.squarespace.com. Oh, and uh, my name is Magda Lewandowska. I'm the zero skill Polish accent presenter. <laughs> In the previous episodes, I talked about religious sacrifices made by pre Christian Slavs. I came to conclusion that their sacrifices were much more valuable than the sacrifices the modern followers of Slavic faith make. In line of what is practiced today, most of sacrifices made by our ancestors were of edible nature. Animals were sacrificed, food or beverages. But contrary to what is practiced today, our ancestors ate at least part of their sacrifices during a ritual feast which was an integral part of their rituals. I also mentioned that due to the nature of the Slavic gods, their original followers, so medieval pre-Christian Slavs, had to be precise in their prayers. Before making a sacrifice or saying a prayer, they had to know exactly what they wanted to pray for, which god they wanted to pray to, when and how. Today I want to discuss if it's possible to adapt pre-Christian prayer and sacrifice rituals for the needs and the reality of 21st century, and if so, how can it be done? Before we start, a couple of disclaimers. Today I'm going to discuss exclusively the issues of the worship of Slavic gods, not the issues of veneration of the dead or the ancestors. Veneration of the ancestors will be discussed another time. Also, as always, when I say our ancestors, I mean pre-Christian Slavs. So, with all the introductions and disclaimers out of the way, let's go with the topic. In order to adapt Slavic religion to the 21st century, we have got to not only extract the core of the religion, but also figure out how it was applied in early medieval ages. Despite not knowing very much about pre-Christian Slavs, we know roughly what they prayed for. We also know how they went about fulfilling their prayers. And here's a surprise. The pre-Christian Slavs actually did follow their prayers with actions designed to contribute to make those prayers come true. After they prayed for good harvest, for example, they went out in the fields and worked there to contribute to the good harvest they asked their gods for. When they pray for short and mild winter, they already fill their granaries with suppliers necessary to survive through the winter. After they prayed for a victorious raid, they actually went out in the battlefield and fought their enemies or their victims to make the raid or the war victorious. So, what I'm saying here is that the oh-so-popular now thoughts and prayers were actually not a Slavic thing. Thoughts and prayers do not seem to be a pagan thing in general. It seems to be an uniquely Judeo-Christian approach to solving problems. If we look at Judeo-Christian scriptures, 
Both Old and New Testament is full of promises made by the Judeo-Christian God to his followers. In Gospel of Matthew we read, And whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if you have faith. The book of Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. In book of Proverbs we read, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. So Judeo-Christian believers have their thoughts and prayers. They believe that good thoughts, worshipping the God properly, it's enough to bring them the blessing of their God. And good for them, but pagans in general, and Rodnovers in particular, have no reason to believe in magical powers of prayers or thoughts. Our ancestors did not operate this way. When they prayed for something, then they went out to get it. One could almost say that pre-Christian Slavs did not trust their gods too much, or maybe they respected the gods' gifts too much to just expect the gifts for free, without any work or effort. Because, you know, after all, Prayers and thoughts don't really cost us anything, do they? Our ancestors used work and effort to show the old gods how much they wanted and needed the things they asked for in their prayers. And we, Rodnovers, the heirs of pre-Christian Slavs, we should do the same. How many of us, after praying for a plentiful harvest, go to the fields and farms to actually contribute to the plentifulness we pray for? I bet not very many. Why? Because most of us don't care about a good harvest. Most of us don't starve, or at least not because of scarcity of food. Most of us have never experienced proper, real hunger. Quite the opposite, a lot of us try to eat less on purpose. <laughs> To, to lose weight or to get fit? Well, statistically, one third of us is overweight or obese. However, while we are eating ourselves to death and at the same time we are contaminating the earth with excessive consumption, we dare to ask our gods for plentiful harvest and for health. We do. It's no wonder the Rodnovery movement is a laughingstock for non-pagan society. And please don't tell me it isn't, it really is. The most friendly commentators call us historical reenactors and, well, they write. What else can we call a movement that thoughtlessly reenacts rituals from hundreds of years ago? 21st century is not medieval ages. Our needs, our lifestyles, our professions and societies are different than the needs and society of pre-Christian Slavs. Why don't we stop offending our ancestors and gods with rituals that mean to us so little that we cannot even be bothered to actively contribute to making our prayers come true? It is estimated that in the European Union only, every year 88 million of tons of food is wasted. Statistically, every European citizen throws away 173 kilograms of food every year. The production and disposal of this waste causes emission of 170 tons of carbon dioxide every year. I'm not even going to mention the cost of the land, water and energy necessary to generate and dispose of the waste. 
In a world where food is considered waste, where farmers are committing suicides because they cannot sell their produce, do we really want to pray for more food, for more fertile land and even bigger harvest? Do we really want to mock our gods with prayers so useless, so unimportant, that we can't even be bothered to work towards achieving the goal of our prayers? So what should we do then? What should we pray for during our Slavic celebrations? Well, the answer is, I think the answer is, we should pray for what our ancestors prayed. We should pray for what we need most to survive, but at the same time for something we can contribute to gaining or achieving. And now, I'm absolutely not saying that we don't need good harvest. What I'm saying is that most of us cannot do anything to contribute to having a good harvest. Unless you are a farmer or in other way involved in the agricultural industry, you are not able to do anything to make the good harvest happen. So if you are Rodnover and you are not involved in agricultural industry, you shouldn't pray for good harvest because you cannot do anything to make it happen. Because it seems that praying for things one has no influence over is a Judeo-Christian thing. It's not a pagan thing. It's not what our ancestors did. So, back to praying. We should pray for things we need to survive, but only for those things that we can contribute to gaining or achieving. For our ancestors, those things were food, fertile land, or uh, good weather so the crop can grow and be harvested without any disruption. For us, is something else. Nowadays, what we really need to survive and can contribute to getting is clean air, clean water, and land which is not contaminated with toxic waste. Or at least I think so. Why don't we, Rodnovers, instead of praying for fertile fields, we pray for fertile and healthy forests, or even city parks, which, after all, are the main producers of oxygen? Instead of the health of farm animals, why don't we pray for the health of bees and other pollinating insects, which die in mass every day, mostly from diseases caused by human-made air pollution. For sure prayers like that, if the gods hear and answer them, will bring us more good than asking for more food in a world where we cannot eat what we already have produced. Praying for the health and fertility for the forest and bees or for clean water are prayers in intention we are all capable of contributing to. Not many of us are farmers, very few of us care about good harvest and even fewer can actually do something to make the crops grow healthily. But we all can contribute to making our forest, bees or air healthier. We can recycle, we can upcycle, we can cut down on consumption and production of waste. We can plant flowers, which provide food and a resting place for bees. We can clean woodlands and parks, cut down on plastic usage, go paperless, not only in offices, but also with our own bills or even books or magazines. We can reduce air travel and other activities which contribute to pollution. The possibilities are endless and every one of us can do something to contribute every day to making our prayers come true. You don't have to be a forester, you don't have to be a beekeeper or marine biologist. Every one of us can do something to make our land less contaminated. As Rodnovers, we should stop complaining that environmentally friendly lifestyle is too difficult, too expensive or too cumbersome. 
That's the point. It wouldn't make sense to bother gods with prayers for something that's easy. Our ancestors drudged on their fields to show gods that they pray for something they really need. We then should also work hard on improving the quality of water, air and land. If we decide to pray for it, and why shouldn't we? Our health and life depends on it, as tending to the fields was crucial for the survival of our ancestors. After all, Slavic faith, Rodnoveri, deserves to become a real religion instead of being a medieval dress-up party combined with recreational outdoor camping and praying for things we don't need, don't care about and can't do anything in order to achieve them. So that was Vitya's take on the common good prayers, prayers for things that benefit the community, larger group of people. But not all pre-Christian Slavic prayers were said with the intention of a common good. In the olden days, as is it now, a part of the needs of the community, like good harvest, mild winter or a victorious raid, individual needs existed as well. Procopius of Caesarea, a Byzantine scholar who witnessed the original pre-Christian Slavic ways in the year 500-ish, mentioned the way pre-Christian Slav prayed to their gods with a personal cause. He wrote, as for fate, they, Slavs, neither know it nor do they in any way admit that it has any power among men, but whenever death stands close before them, either stricken with sickness or beginning a war, they make a promise that if they escape, they will straight away make a sacrifice to the god in return for their life. And if they escape, they sacrifice just what they have promised and consider that their safety has been bought with this same sacrifice. As we see in this quotation, in personal prayers, pre-Christian Slavs had different logic than in prayers for a common good goal. The personal cause prayer was not supported by an offering, but only by a promise of an offering if the prayer was answered by the gods. Here we once again see the Slavic lack of trust in gods. As our ancestors did not rely on gods to make the good harvest happen, but worked hard to make it happen, so they made the promised sacrifice only if their personal prayers were answered. Of course, it goes without saying that a part of praying for their life, our ancestors did everything in their power to survive the battle or illness. What does it mean to us, the modern followers of the Slavic faith? Well, let's see. Nowadays, despite all the benefits of scientific and technological progress, we seem to have more individual problems than our ancestors had. Our individual problems are not only more common, but also more complicated than those of our ancestors. Let's take, for example, a problem of surviving a battle. One of the things many of pre-Christian Slavs prayed for quite frequently. In order to survive a battle in medieval ages, you, well, you only had to fight with all your might. And now, after publication of the post on this matter on Vitya's blog, the word only caused quite a lot of controversy. Many of our readers were um, upset, I guess, about the only word and explained to us how difficult it was to stand up to a medieval battle. So I want to explain that by using the word only, I am absolutely not saying it was easy to stand up to a medieval battle. 
Being a warrior in medieval ages required courage, skills, strength, and, you know, it, it wasn't a piece of cake. But it also wasn't as difficult as, for example, being a single parent is. The typical problem of a single parent include making a salary of X last for the whole month, while the cost of childcare is one-third or even half of the X, the cost of rent is very similar, and you still have to feed the child or children, and from time to time yourself too, you have to buy clothes, books, and sometimes even a toy or two. On top of it, as a single parent, you have the constant worrying about the future. Will I still have a job? What if my child gets ill? How will I pay for fixing the car, fridge, or a washing machine? Those struggles, constant stress, austerity, frustration, sleep, and food deprivation, they don't last a few days or weeks. They last years. Having experienced single parenthood myself, I can say with confidence that standing in a medieval battle has got to be much easier. If you die in a battle, at least you don't have to worry anymore. If you're wounded, you suffer for a few hours, days at the most. That's nothing comparing with years of struggles single parents have to endure. Struggles, I dare to say, from my own experience, that require much more courage, perseverance and strength than any battle, medieval or modern, have ever required. So, sorry for the rant. <laughs> Back to medieval ages. So we were talking about the individual problems of our ancestors being less complicated than our modern problems. As standing up in a medieval battle was easier than being a single parent nowadays, also being ill in medieval ages was easier than being ill nowadays. In medieval ages, the survival rate of any diseases was much lower than in modern times, so as a result, the chronic diseases were less common because people died sooner. Also, treatments were simpler and less painful or onerous. In early medieval ages, before the bloodletting, leeches and uh, what else? Oh, vagina fumigations were invented. In early medieval ages, among our ancestors, treatments were pretty much limited to drinking herbs, cauterizing wounds and maybe conscious amputations. Nowadays, however, modern medicine allows us to survive much more diseases than our ancestors survive. However, in order to live longer, we have to live through side effects of chemotherapy, years of dialysis, uh, ostomy bugs, and others life-changing, painful, unpleasant consequences of medical interventions. Comparing to our ancestors, we, modern Rodnovers, live in luxuries. However, we pay a price for it. The price are problems completely unknown to our ancestors. Problems like homelessness, unemployment, overpopulation, mental health issues, chronic diseases, including diseases which surviving or living with them, comes with a significant deterioration of quality of life and or with social stigmatization. Like, for example, you know, heart diseases that require multiple surgeries and medications, or kidney diseases that require dialysis, congenital diseases such as cystic fibrosis, or acquired problems like cerebral palsy and many, many more. Pre-Christian Slavs would not have been even able to comprehend the scale and complexity of problems their children's children will have one day. Which does not change the fact that, 
in their generosity and wisdom, our ancestors left us simple and easy to use instruction on how to deal with our modern issues. The instructions left by our ancestors are genius in their simplicity. So firstly, the actual problem has to be identified in order to be able to establish which God's help is most needed. I give you an example. Before a battle, our ancestors did not pray to just survive a battle, like a follower of Judeo-Christian tradition would. Instead, they prayed for a particular skill or blessing necessary to make it out alive. They prayed for strength, courage, good fortune, and others. They had to define the blessing needed in order to be able to name the god they needed the blessing from. Because of the nature of their beliefs, Slavs did not have a deity of survival, but they did know gods capable of blessing a warrior with strength or courage or good fortune. So before a battle, our ancestors called upon those gods, for example Perun or Svaruk, promising them a suitable sacrifice in exchange for the needed blessing. So now we can see the beauty of the pre-Christian logic here. If you have a problem, you have to firstly identify it. In a case of a battle, your problem is how to survive it. Then identify the exact things needed to solve your problem. For example, you need strength, courage and good luck to survive a battle. So then you can identify the god or gods capable of helping you. After you know which god or gods can help you, you have to pray to this god or those gods and offer them a promise of valuable sacrifice if they help you out. And after you do that, after you say your prayer and promise the sacrifice, you have to do your absolute best to survive for long enough so you can honor your promise and give God the sacrifice to thank them for the help they gave you. The beauty of Slavic logic lies also in its universality. In medieval times, as well as in modern world, one can solve problems using the same algorithm left to us by our ancestors. Let's take for example unemployment. It's a common problem nowadays affecting many people from different social groups of different education, age, gender, etc. There is almost as many causes of unemployment as there is people affected by it. And this is why an unemployed Rodnover, before getting down to prayers in the intention of finding a job, he or she should think long and hard about what really is the problem in his or her's particular case. Maybe the issue lies in having too high expectations, for example, expecting unrealistic salary or working hours. Or maybe it's the wrong approach to job hunting or to work as such. I'm absolutely not saying that the cause of unemployment always lies in the attitude of the unemployed, but having had some experience in recruitment process, I have noticed that in some cases the people who look or apply for a job just don't seem to be doing it right. So after a thorough and honest assessment of the problem and after identifying the core causes of the unemployment, the modern Rodnover can choose a god able to provide help. If, for example, the Rodnover came to a conclusion that in order to find a job he or she has to gain new qualifications, he or she can pray to Veles, the keeper of the secretive wisdom. 
Of course, a road novel can and should also ask the ancestor for help, but today we're talking about praying to gods, not about the veneration of the ancestors, so I leave it to the side. So, back to our unemployed road novel. She or he might come to a conclusion that in order to find a job, a change in lifestyle is needed. For example, our road novel might have to start getting up early or cut down on drinking or partying or improve personal hygiene. I swear, those are real issues of real unemployed people. If lifestyle changes are necessary, it would be more appropriate to ask for the blessing of Mokosh, the Mother Earth, the biggest transformational power among all Slavic gods. If the core of the problem is lack of grit or self-confidence during job interviews, it might be a good idea to call upon Perun. It is of course possible that the cause of unemployment is not something the Rodnover does or doesn't do, but the core lies in a faulty socio-economic system of the country or region our Rodnover lives in. In such case, the appropriate solution might be voting for a different political party in the upcoming election, or even emigrating to a different country or region. In those examples, the appropriate goddesses to pray to might be Morena, whose powers include the death and rebirth as well as dreams, or even Rodzanice, responsible for spinning our faith. After deciding which god or goddesses is capable of helping us, it's time to start praying and promising the appropriate sacrifice, which will be made after our prayers are answered. But let's not forget, Slavic gods do not solve the problems of Slavs. They can only help out by giving their gifts or blessings, such as strength, wisdom, good fortune or others. However, the whole process of finding out the god or goddesses or gods most capable of helping us, makes it easier for road novels to understand the causes and the nature of the problem. Hence, as I said before, the instructions left to us by our ancestors are genius in their simplicity. What is the most important thing to remember from all of this is that if you are a Slav and you follow your ancestors' wisdom, your ancestors' faith, there is always something that you can do to solve your problem. Opposite to Judeo-Christian way of thinking, in the pre-Slavic system of beliefs, nothing is set in stone. Not the future, not the fate, and not the final outcomes of your struggles. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope it wasn't too long, too convoluted or boring. If you're enjoying Vitya's podcast, you might find Vitya's blog or website interesting, so check those out at vitya.squarespace.com, that's w-i-t-i-a dot squarespace.com. In the next episode, I'll be talking about sacrifices we modern followers of Slavic faith can make to Slavic gods, so hopefully you'll find that interesting too, but for now, Swava!